Tanse, hello, I'm Sarah Medanik, and my definition of relentless is the tenacity, the resilience, and the grit to get up every day and work from the heart, to care about yourself, your family, your community, and to be about making that difference. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Dubay. Today, we are going to have an awesome conversation with Sarah Medanik who is the president and CEO of the Gort Downey and Chani Wencheck Fund, a national charity that focuses on building cultural understanding and reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians. Sarah, it's so good to have you here. It's wonderful to be back home. Yeah, because you are in here from Toronto, because that's where you're based out of now. Yeah, but I'm from Treaty 6, so I grew up northwest of St. Albert. So you are right outside of Edmonton, mm-hmm. Métis. Mm-hmm. Um, Cunningham. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And you are in town for some business, and we were very fortunate to be able to slot you in to be a podcast guest. Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, and listen, because... We don't know when we're going to put this out, but last night you were at a very exciting Oilers game, so that was big awesome. Win. Yeah, big, big win. win, big win, which is so cool. Um, Sarah, let's let's talk about uh, your work in a little bit, but let's talk about you, where you come from, your career, and what led you into the work that you're doing now, if that's okay. So, talk a little bit about um, you know where you come from. And, and and what you've done in your life prior to this. Well, obviously I come from God's country because I'm go. from Alberta, yeah. so first and foremost. But I also come from a strong uh, family of matriarchs. Mm. So, you know, strong indigenous female leadership, entrepreneurs, and just, you know, people always ask, you know, how'd you get into this job? And I can say, honestly, it's in my blood. Yeah. So, you know... Caring about community, contributing, and, you know, investing into positive outcomes for our people and our communities is really just what we do. It's something that you grew up with. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Who were some of the people that influenced you the most? Oh, I would have to say 100% my mother. She is a, a... Strong. I was going to say badass, but you'll have to edit it out. (laughs) No, you can say badass on here. Your mom's badass. She really is. I mean, here's the thing is you live your life heart forward. You care about those around you, whether it's your family, whether it's your community, whether it is your extended network from your workplace, right? Mm -hmm. And it's never too little, right? Your circle is never too little to make an impact in changing outcomes that will actually affect a ripple change. And you can be that spark. Right. So young Sarah, growing up, you had aspirations to do what? I can't tell this story. So I really loved Pretty Woman. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think maybe I was a Cinderella story, right? Like a bit too young for that. I don't know. You know, I never thought I would grow up and have this job. Honestly, I think, you know, being a leader is a responsibility and a privilege that you don't take lightly and right. it's not a job that you ask for right it's something that you earn yeah and you wake up every day and you earn it yeah so yeah. you know what i never thought when i was a little kid that this would be my job i don't even know how i would identify it it's not like a teacher or a doctor or right, a lawyer right, right? like right. i work in the not-for-profit sector, and the yeah. work that the Downey Jack Fund does is essentially trying to break down systemic racism and promote systemic change. Well, let's get into this. What is your job exactly? And talk more about the foundation and what it does. For sure. So I think about it like a sandwich. Okay. I love sandwiches. Everyone loves sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So you think about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And what was that? What is residential schools? Why should we care? And a big thing that came up was, 
I didn't learn about it. What is that? That's a thing from way, way a long time ago. But the last residential school closed in 1996. You and I could have both gone to yeah. it. Everyone yeah. listening to this could have gone to one. Yeah. And so that means it is not a thing of the past. It is 100% something that every indigenous person continues to experience the residual trauma from every single day. Right. But if you don't understand that part of Canadian history, then you see an indigenous person on the street that might have addiction issues, might be experiencing housing challenges. You don't understand the social constructs that premeditated these conditions. And so, or you see the news and you see missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. You see, you know, the trial of um, Colton Bushi, right? Like it's, important that you contextualize these things within the true history of what happened in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know about you, but when I went to school, the textbooks was like, uh, it's like a teepee, a longhouse, and maybe a potlatch. Yeah, we weren't Maybe a paragraph, maybe a paragraph, right? right? Right. And so the trouble is, is that that exists to today you know so you think about the bottom slice of bread of the sandwich which i'm talking about the young people so if you want the next generation of young people in canada to have a better understanding of the true history of the relationship with indigenous people in canada you need to educate right but education gets a bit complicated. It's a bit political. Reforming curriculum costs money. And so the Downey Wanjack Fund literally provides free educational tools and resources to educators to be better equipped to teach not just about the true history and legacy and lasting impacts of the residential school system, the 60 scoop, you name it, but also to incorporate indigenous ways of knowing and being into curriculum so that you can celebrate the strength and resilience of indigenous ways of knowing and being into the classroom and it's all free and we kind of get around the um, curriculum piece it's just tools and resources so educators can choose right but you know if you're a non-indigenous person you didn't learn it yourself i'm sure there's a bit of hesitation about you know is it appropriate for me to be teaching this in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to offend anyone. Right, which we can, we can talk. Let's, yeah. We're going to get to that in a bit. As far as, um, as a non-Indigenous person, what does that look like? And, and what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable? How did this foundation come about? Because I'm assuming most people listening to this know who Gord Downey is. Lead singer of the Tragically Hip. Passed away uh, 2017, yeah. Um, which is mind-boggling to me. It's it's so it's six years yeah. coming up. Um, t- talk about how this all got going. So that's the top half of the sandwich okay. is the bigs. So the yeah. bottom is the little and the top yeah. is the bigs. And so Gord went on this, I would call it superhuman Cross Canada final tour with the Tragically Hip, and he used his platform to really just call on all of us to do better, to reflect mm-hmm. inwards about, you know, what is the relationship with Indigenous people in the country? Right. You know, if we think of ourselves as Canadians, and, you know, we always pat ourselves on the back as being, you know, good and humane right and around the world around the world we're known as being the nicest people and just 100%. the greatest place yeah uh but like maybe let's just look at what's happening here right at home right because it's not good right and so he used his platform and it lined up perfectly with the release of the truth and reconciliation commission's 94 calls to action and so you know people were grieving the loss of Gord and their hearts and their minds were open. And so when he said, you know, let's look north, let's, let's look at our indigenous brothers and sisters and let's, you know, 
create a greater awareness for the true history of what's happened in this country, people had space and capacity for that. Mm -hmm. And it was a beautiful gift. And then he, you know, heard of Chani Wenjack's residential school story. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So he had actually heard of that prior to the tour. Yeah. His brother Mike shared the story with him and he was inspired to write 10 poems, which became the album, The Secret Path, which became the graphic novel that he did with Jeff Lemire. And it became the animated film that he did with Justin Stevenson and, you know, became a, because, you know, both Downey, well, all Downey brothers actually are creative geniuses yeah. that, you know, we have this beautiful journey documented in Finding the Secret Path. It's a documentary that tells the story of how the Downey and Wenjack families came together. So, you know, Gord didn't just share Chani's residential school story without permission. Right. The Wenjack family supported him in that. And, you know, I, Gord told this beautiful story, and I'm going to butcher it if I try and replace it, but, you know, Pearl always felt in her heart, and this is Chani's sister, that, you know, people should know his story. Like, mm -hmm. he didn't die in vain. Mm -hmm. But she always thought it was going to be Oprah. Mm. <laughs> that okay. told it. Yeah. So when Gord called her up, she's like, who are you? Yeah. Do you know Oprah? He's yeah. like, no. Yeah. She's like, okay, click. That's funny. <laughs> um, but it, it, it worked well, out. Most people in Canada would love to get a call from Gord. <laughs> right. So th maybe just briefly, if you can, um, because we do want people to go and, and watch this and, mm -hmm. and look at all this, but maybe tell a little bit of the story of Chani, if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Chani Wenjak was an Anishinaabe boy. He was 11 turning 12, and he tried to walk home. He, tr he fled his residential school, and he tried to make it home um, from Cecilia Jeffrey. Um, it's about 600 kilometers, and he tried to just follow the train tracks, and he didn't make it. Hmm. And, you know, end of October in northern Ontario. like What year was this? This was in 1966. Uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was, yeah. I read it was 66, 67, something mm -hmm. like that, yeah. yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, is like at that time, no one was conscious about what residential schools were or what they were doing or the myriad of abuses that indigenous children were experiencing in those schools. Right. And I think what's been really beautiful about the last five years is there really is a greater awareness and understanding of the harms mm -hmm. inflicted upon indigenous children and communities because of these schools and we're talking you know you see it in the news every day bodies being recovered from these sites and that work is going to continue it's something we've always known you know if we can let's get into the residential school stuff a bit and um you know, I talked before we started recording about how maybe I'll I'll come at you a little bit. I, I I'm I'm a huge believer in all of this. I, I I'm I'm a reconciliation guy. I believe that that we need to be better, um, totally. But I do know some people that kind of go, okay, we get it. Enough is enough. Um, get over it. That kind of an attitude, which is awful. Um, but I will say, when, when I was growing up, I did not know about residential schools. and um, Or if I did, it wasn't... Put it this way. I'll say I didn't because it didn't stick to me at all. And my parents were not racist people. My parents were not anything like that. But I'll, I'll say that, you know, um, I, my one grandmother was, for sure. And... To, to to think about indigenous people when I was growing up, truthfully, it was never in a positive light. And I believe a big reason why is because we weren't educated about indigenous people in a positive light. We really weren't. So when we talk about the foundation and what they're going to do, it is about educating people on the, the, the true history. 
but then also the beauty and the amazingness of indigenous cultures. But back to the residential school stuff, now that so much of this is coming to light, I think people are shocked at what they're finding out. And I actually think that's good because it hopefully is going to wake some people up. But when you say that the last one closed in 1996, it's mind-baffling to me that this stuff was happening. Like We're not talking about the 1800s here. We're not talking about early 1900s. We're talking about very recent history in our country. The impact that this has had on so many people, um, this is where reconciliation needs to, ha- to happen. This is why it's important. What can we do for, for our indigenous brothers and sisters that's going to actually make a difference in their lives Instead of some of the, the, the people I know that are like, okay, enough with the land recognitions. We get it. And I just think that's, there's just such ignorance to that, you know? I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm kind of babbling on here. No, um, I get it. So I would say, like, what can you do, first and foremost, is open your hearts, open your minds, and listen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the big things is, do you have any indigenous friends? Mm-hmm. Were you ever connected to indigenous people? Did you ever learn firsthand what the experience of, you know, indigenous nations within Treaty Six was mm-hmm. here? So are you asking? Let's, let's have the conversation. Yeah. Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm so asking. So I would say I would say growing up, I probably did, but didn't know because lots of people didn't even recognize that they were Métis. Okay, mm-hmm. um, my. My experience with indigenous people living in a, a very white community of St. Albert, Alberta, um, was some of the indigenous boys that lived down the road from us that would beat the shit out of my brother and I whenever we'd go for Slurpees. And I put that as an indigenous thing. Now, you got to remember, this is the 80s. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't use the word indigenous. Right. We used the word Indian. And right. What I love about today is like, I rarely hear that word. Rarely. You know where I hear it from is some like seniors. Or, but, or legally within or, the Indian or, Act. Or, or legally, right? but yeah. you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So when I grew up, my idea of indigenous were these guys that used to beat the shit out of us. And I, so I had a bad taste in my mouth. And, but why? But, but why but was see, there So that now I'm going to explain. Well, that's okay. We'll get to that because I've never actually asked that question. I just thought they were assholes. But my brother didn't look at them as indigenous. He just thought, well, they're just kind of asshole jerks. Like they're beating us up. I went the other way. And I don't know why I went that way other than obviously there was outside noise in my life that was saying that to me. But imagine being taken from your parents, being sent to a boarding school. You don't get to speak your language. You don't mm-hmm. get to believe in your religion. Mm-hmm. You don't have any connection to culture or community. Right. And you're emotionally abused, yeah. physically abused, sexually abused. Yeah. And then you're dropped off if you survive. And you're just expected to go on yeah. like normal. Just go live your life. Right. And then you have a family and so much of that trauma is coming through. Correct. So it's really important to understand like the intergenerational effects of the residential school system. To explain why, you know, those kids might have been beaten up you and your brother because they might have been beat up by their dad Mm -hmm. or. With their mm-hmm. grandpa, or you never, oh, they or their came, mushum, they defi- right? Like you they never definitely know, right? came from rough families. There's right. no question about that. And so it's that pattern of abuse. Yeah. So the thing that is so important in the healing journey is if you understand the truth, if you can acknowledge what actually happened and honor the experience that really perpetuated irreconcilable harms on children Mm. like we're talking six-year-olds and if you understand that i think you come to the table with a sense of compassion Mm -hmm. and grace Mm -hmm. and humility Mm -hmm. so that when you go to vote 
because there's an election coming up in Alberta, you actually think, okay, so how are we fixing this? Mm -hmm. How are we contributing to reconciliation? What is the policies that these parties have that is going to make a positive impact? Because there is one of the highest urban indigenous populations in Canada in the city of Edmonton. Yeah, that's right. Everyone who votes, everyone who pays taxes, 100% needs to care about reconciliation. And it doesn't matter where you are on your learning or healing journey. You need to step up and you need to contribute. Because if you're not asking these tough questions and leaning in to how systemic change is being mobilized then it's just going to be something we're still talking about 20 years from now. Back to your question, do you have Indigenous friends? Do you know Indigenous people? What my early life experience was with Indigenous people was getting beat up by them. Then my life changed in many ways, but one of the ways it changed was one of my first jobs in this field of working with people, because I think you know I'm the executive director of a youth-serving agency. Um, was I worked in a downtown place here in Edmonton and there were all these ladies that volunteered there and they were indigenous and they were awesome and they were loving and caring and hilarious and took me in as this, I think I was 20, 19 or 20 years old and just they teased me and cared about me and they just thought I was fun. And we had a blast that whole summer I worked there. Ah, the aunties gotcha. <laughs> so, but that's what it is. is but yeah. then my experience changed. And I built relationships with these people that were just incredible. And Not these people. These powerful indigenous women. Sure. Right? Yeah. And, and there were others other than them. Yeah. But they're th- these these women were the ones that I remember the most, and I, it again it was a different experience and it was a good experience and it was a positive experience. But even then, none of them were talking to me about reconciliation. None of them were talking to me about this because it wasn't even out there then. Now this again is in the you know this is kind of getting into the mid nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only been about five six years, right? So for me. That's whenever my my outlook on Indigenous people changed. That's whenever I started looking differently. And truthfully, all cultures. I'll be honest with you. It affected my life deeply. Not just... And I'm not saying I was this racist guy. But there was definitely an unconscious bias that was happening within me that I think happens within many people. And I think that when, when we look at the Indigenous culture in Canada, there's an unconscious bias with many people... But I also believe that that's because of the lack of education, which we can get into what and you guys do. And the lack of connection. Right. right, and the lack of connection. Where now I'm so fortunate in my line of work, I'm connected to many Indigenous people. To the point where years later, I ran a program where we would host um, Catholic and Protestant youth from Northern Ireland here. And they did this whole Dealing with Differences program. And we would bring Indigenous, non-Indigenous young people to Northern Ireland to, to do a dealing with difference thing. And it was incredible. It was amazing. I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. I have all these connections. I have a much broader understanding. How many have been on this podcast? Hello, everybody. My name is Kyle Dubay, and I'm the host of the Relentless Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that you're going to join us. Being relentless is not easy, but being relentless can work. That was the aha moment, then the work started. Specifically what I cared about was the organizations that were having an impact in the lives of youth. Everybody's welcome down here, and that's what we wanted the ballpark. It is inclusive. For your first podcast, you really went all out. We're not playing here. Like we're, this is what we do. This looks like like a low rent UFC show, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Will, like you You're like a the Dana bit. White of UCAN. Uh, with the bald head, You're, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And Dana I'm, Beige. Yeah. I love talking to these folks. I love learning about them, hearing their stories, and I hope that it's going to be the same for you. Uh, well, this is a very new podcast. <laughs> so, like, I'm just, settle you know, down. I- <laughs> 
Um, but that's but, that's but entirely we, but, but, the but, conversation. But is we we want to do that. We want to be able to bring light to to, to right? this. Right. It's so. opening places and spaces to mm-hmm. hear indigenous voices, to hear the right. experiences. And Downey Van Jack does a really great day. It's called A Day to Listen. It's September 30th. It's the National Day for yep. Truth and Reconciliation. That's right. And we try and take over every radio station in Canada and we just amplify indigenous voices. And, yeah. you know, they're elders, knowledge keepers, survivors, leaders, youth, innovators, business leaders to just hear those stories because they don't make it into the mainstream. The thing that makes it into the news is the trauma. Right. And so right. we really try and just amplify the fact that, you know, there is such potential for indigenous people in this country. And if you think about like the GDP and the contributions to the economy, it's a hundred billion dollar potential mm-hmm. that we have on the table here and it's happening. So mm-hmm. there is just opportunities to share these stories, to share the strength and resilience and for people to really just take a minute to listen and understand the true history because once you understand, once you're educated, right, yeah. then you have a greater sense of how we are, where we are today. Right. And then you care. It's your community. It's your neighbor. It's your brother. Right. 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 And so you're invested into the healing and frankly, the wellness and the strength of our communities. And who doesn't want to live and be in a stronger, more equitable Canada. No, absolutely. And, you know, in, in my experiences um, with, with Indigenous people, but just, I mean, listen, let's just call it with people in general. The more you experience other people and other things, a better understanding you have, mm-hmm. um, a better connection that you have. I have been very privileged to uh, take part in about five or six sweat lodges in my life um incredible experiences um almost tough to explain unless you actually do it but i will say i will i I remember the first time i did it and it was with northern irish young people and some of our canadian young people um i got out of it and i remember the elder asking me so how do you feel and the first thing i said to him and he loved this the first thing I said to him was, this is the most Canadian I've ever felt. <laughs> and I, do you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know kind of where that came from. Other than I truly felt that way. Mm-hmm. And it was just this beautiful, and it was hard. Sweat lodges are hard. Um, yeah. But it was phenomenal to me. And I just encourage everybody to try to go out and experience some indigenous culture of some kind. You don't have to go to a sweat lodge. But just go and embrace it and be open to it, like you said earlier. That, to me, is how you get, start making connections to this. And so that's part of the work that we do at the Gord Downey and Chani Wanjack Fund, is just building uh, cultural understanding mm. and connections between Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities. Yeah. So that, you know, there's the learning piece, 100%. So the back to the sandwich, you can yeah. educate the bigs through work you can educate the littles through school yeah but then what's next it's building those connections between communities and you know really embracing the fact that our indigenous history in this country is something that we should celebrate the strength and resilience and beauty of indigenous peoples Mm -hmm. and cultures is something that we can all learn from Mm -hmm. and all grow from Mm -hmm. and let's be very clear it's very distinct we're a very big country so whether you're first nations inuit metis it it differs right absolutely and it's important to have that understanding and we can all learn and grow and be better for it and i think you know what's really beautiful about the work that we do at downey one jack and what's just been happening over the last five years is you see indigenous artists on radio stations sure. you see indigenous designers on fashion runways you yeah, yeah. you know it there really has been a change and it's important and it's something to be celebrated and it's you know one 
little step. We call them reconciliations. You know, meaningful actions that drive reconciliation forward. Yeah. I like that, reconciliations. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, listen, where do you start? Educate yourself. You can come to downywenjack.ca. We've got a ton of resources. You can watch this secret website. path. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of just try and make it easy to meet you where you're at within your learning journey. There's no shame or blame. It's really just, listen, we're all in this together mm. and we all need to contribute in meaningful ways. And that might just be being quiet and listening. Mm. It might be, you know, seeing a racist act in front of you and saying, no, we, no tolerance for that yeah. here, yeah. right? And it's just those little things that seem insignificant, but it actually creates a tidal wave of change. And it's happening. You see the hope in the work that we do every single day. The, the littles, the young people, they get it. You know, when you're a kid, you're so innocent and pure and like this idea of being taken from your home and your families and your parents, it's abhorrent. You like, oh. ooh, right? That, yeah. you know, that you would try and travel 600 kilometers to get home as an 11 year old. Right. Like, think about that. Right. That's it's such a powerful kids story. Kids can resonate with that. And so it's like, how do we stop that from being perpetuated today? Right. Right. And we can all do that. Yeah. It's a conversations around the dinner table. It's, we're walking down the street. It makes a difference. It does make a difference. And, you know, I, I do think it's about those conversations just in your homes. That's where it can start, you know. What are your kids learning at school? Right. So that, okay, let's get into that. Uh, well, we know what they're not learning at school because uh, they're not learning a lot about this. But what are you folks doing? To bring this into the schools. So educators can come to our website, sign up for free. They'll get a uh, toolkit with free educational tools and resources. We have a whole repository. There's over 800 resources wow. from K to 12. Yeah. And we also have other really cool things within the program, which is artist ambassadors. So we try and bring, because obviously music is at the very backbone of everything yeah, we do because right. of Gord. And yeah. we had all these incredible artists saying, how can we support? And so we started the Artist Ambassador Program to, first of all, what gets cut first in school budgets is it's extracurriculars, it's music programs, right? right? right. So really healing from the arts, music workshops, leadership workshops, yeah. storytelling, right? And so we facilitate those visits and the kids love it. And I think, you know, it's not just the somber understanding of the atrocities of the past. It's also understanding the strength and resilience and beauty of indigenous and peoples, indigenous peoples and cultures today. It's celebrating that. And, you know, here we are heading into June, which is Indigenous History Month, yeah. National Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. There's a ton of events I know in this city yeah. for sure. Tonight, I'm going to the Inspire Awards at yeah. the Convention Center, which celebrates Indigenous achievement. You know, there's amazing... And it's televised on right. APTN, right? Right. You know, there's amazing ways to learn more. And there's hope in sharing those stories for the next generation of indigenous youth that see themselves as leaders, mm -hmm. as change makers, mm -hmm. as doctors, as lawyers, mm -hmm. right? And that's important. Yeah. How can people support the foundation? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, where do you guys get your funding from? Where do you guys get your support from? I'm assuming if I want to make a donation, I can make a donation. What does that look like? Absolutely. So we fundraise, right? We, uh, <laughs> just like every charity in Canada, right? Yeah. I think there's this big misconception that we ended up with Gord's estate, but I promise you that A, rock stars in Canada are not that wealthy, yeah. and B, we didn't. So we really, uh, we bootstrapped and 
we are where we are today because of the generosity of Canadians and their belief in the importance of our work. We are trying to solve a problem, right? Like, you know, I always get asked the question, where do you see the charity in 10 years? And I think, well, hopefully we don't have to exist, right? Because in theory, you know, the educational tools and resources we provide to schools and in the workplace, those things, you know, are part of curriculum or they're part of the onboarding packages within the ESG strategies. And, you know, we can tackle another problem, whether it's child welfare or housing sure, or, sure. you know, so I think we have a goal in mind. And honestly, we're in over 7,500 schools in every province and territory in just over five years. So that kind of speaks to the need. Absolutely. Right. The need and the want and the desire, Mm -hmm. right, to be able to do this. And you folks, listen, it's the Relentless Podcast. We have to use the word relentless. You have to be relentless in getting this message out and getting this out. But what I like about what you're saying, um, because, you know, you and I talked about this a, a while ago when we first met. Um, actually not when we first met because apparently that was 2009 <laughs> my feelings uh, are still yeah, hurt you don't remember I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry um, but when we when we talked a little while ago and we no let's talk about that for a second okay. so when I met you okay. what 13 years ago are you going to throw me under the bus yeah. here oh, so shit. Kyle was in his role with UCAN yeah it's been 20 and so years so I yeah. was at the Chamber of Commerce okay. and what we were trying to do was create an employment program for indigenous youth okay. to partner with our employer network at yeah. the Chamber yeah. and so we were just building those bridges yeah. and so I think about that program and it was a it was a grind 13 years oh, yeah. ago yeah. I think about where we would be today if we had that meeting right that was it was a bit before it's time but yeah it's just and and for us, it was, I, I, I don't even, what were we meeting about? Like you guys were finding out about our employment programs because we had just started our employment programs yes. then. So you guys were probably just exploring and seeing yeah. what was going on, right? Yeah. Um, and I would have been 100% open to But I mean, this work has been happening for decades, right. like within the reconciliation space. And that's one of the sensitive things is like, okay, it takes a non-Indigenous Canadian rock star to make people in Canada give a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... So the, on one side, it's like, yeah, that sucks. But on the other side, if it worked, who cares, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, w- everyone is invited in to this journey. Absolutely. Like, we're on this path towards reconciliation together. And there's strength in numbers and there's strength in commitment and longevity because, you know, we're not working towards achieving an outcome come we're working towards systemic change right. which is decades that's yeah. generational yeah, yeah, yeah. you think about the residential school and what it destroyed for indigenous people and communities and culture and it didn't happen overnight it took decades and decades and decades years. exactly so to bring in that systemic change is not going to happen overnight we know Correct. that it's going to take a long time but do you feel that we're on the right path do you know what i'm saying like um Again, back to some people that I know, they're like, okay, we get it. Enough is enough. Do you feel that we are, are on the right path and that it's moving in a, in a so fast if, enough? If there's one thing that I can convey, and people don't get to see what I get to see every single day, and that mm-hmm. is the hope. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, the strength and the brilliance of indigenous youth coming up you know there's generations far behind me that are going to be the change makers for their communities and i i'm so inspired every single day in this work otherwise i wouldn't still be in this job i am passionate i am relentless about what i do because i can see that change happening i see the hope in our work and what we try and do is share that in the stories that we tell through Downey Wenjack. So follow us on social media. There's my shameless plug because you don't see it in the news. That, but, you don't but, see but the changes in the classroom, this is right? Plug, right? <laughs> I want you to plug stuff. Yeah. Because this is one thing that I am liking about this is that there, there, it's very positive. It's very positive because you and I, like I was saying before, you and I, when we were first talking, um, 
I told you that there are some things that I go to where I, I walk out of there and I feel really gross about myself because I feel like, oh man, um, did I create racism? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just this, because they don't, they don't talk about the hope side and they don't talk about the positive side. And that's what I like about what you're doing is let's talk about this awfulness that happened. Let's talk about the history that people kind of don't want to look at and don't want to talk about. We need to. We need to go there, which I'm completely fine with. But then I like the idea of how can I help, what can I do, and the positive side of it. And that's what I want to see more so of. So how can you help? Go home. Ask your kids what they're learning in school. Ask right. your neighbor's kids what they're learning in school. Right. You know, there are supports for educators to be able to teach this in the classroom. The other thing, in the workplace, what is what is the ESG? What is the diversity, equity, and inclusion mm -hmm. strategies? Is there an indigenous resource group? What is the employment and retention policy? You know, right. there is so much work that can be done on both sides, and it's not a heavy lift. It's just naturally you go the through these motions. Yeah. You just ask the questions. Right. So how does an organization like mine, we work with a lot of indigenous young people. Um, how does an organization like mine come to you as a foundation and say, okay, help us? So we have a granting program. Oh. It's called Ushki Wapuan. Which is the Blanket Fund. It's a partnership with Hudson's Bay. Okay. So the iconic blankets. Yeah. The uh, net profits from the sales of those blankets come to Downey Wanjack and we disseminate them to community. Oh, very This cool. is the first year. It's a really bold partnership. We were really nervous about it, to be honest, because the history of the relationship with HBC and the blankets is very complex. Mm -hmm. And it's traumatic for a lot of indigenous peoples yeah. and communities but at the same time here we are today and as a corporation how do you contribute to reconciliation in mm -hmm. a meaningful way and so uh, there's two streams one is a com capacity building stream because as you know as a frontline service agency the biggest issue all the time is general operations yeah. everyone wants to fund programs yeah. but how are they paying you to keep sure. the lights on to sure. for the finance people it's the unglamorous side of the important work and we are providing essential services right mm -hmm. the work you can does is providing an essential Absolutely. service and so the fact that we have to fundraise to support that is tough yeah um and so we try to support that through Oshiki Wapuan. And the other side is the reconciliation grants. So they're the smaller, low-lift uh, funding pools. So if you want to you know, host a round dance, sure. if you want to be able to support you know, um, bringing an indigenous elder into you can to educate your team, educate youth, you can yeah. apply through this stream. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how Downey Wenjack can support and I mean we can also support schools, clubs, offices, organizations on their reconciliation journey. So if you don't know where to start, you can just sign up, you can become one of our partners and we can literally help guide you through that process. So I it love takes that away you just said ick. that. <laughs> yes, I love that you just said that. If you don't know where to start, call us. Yeah. Because we can help you get started. And I think that that is very important for people to hear. Um, this has been really good and, and truthfully you and I could probably talk for hours and hours and hours and hours about it mm -hmm. but apparently you have other meetings to go to um, you threw me under the bus earlier <laughs> so so do you want to end with a beautiful gourd story I would like to end with the um, I would like you your portion to end with a beautiful gourd story okay and then we're going to end the podcast the way we end all of our podcasts where I'm going to do the relentless quiz which is a scientific you can't look at that <laughs> Which is, a, which is a scientific quiz <laughs> uh, that we put together yeah. to show if people are relentless. But let's tell the beautiful gourd story first. So I think one of the craziest things for me when I moved into this role was, you know, I liked the tragically hip. Okay. But I was not close to like a super fan. Right. 
Right. A mega fan. You liked them. I liked them. They I came liked on them. at parties and at yeah. the bar, and you're like, okay, yeah. good tune. Yeah. Yeah. Karaoke, I'm on it. Okay. Yeah, Bob Cajun, love it. Mm. Uh, but when Gord passed away, there was this incredible outpouring of, you know, just the most beautiful, like heart wrenching stories about how he's impacted their lives. And, it, you know, it might be at a concert sure. and he did a shout out yeah. because they had gotten engaged to one of the songs yeah. or he knew someone's sister from high school. You yeah. know, that's one of the beautiful things about the Tragically Hip and Gord is they're such a Canadian band. They're rock stars of the people. Well, and Gord was such a storyteller. Yeah. You lo- you think about the songs oh, like he was unbelievable. he was a poet and yeah. he was telling these stories. And what's really beautiful about our work is we get to continue to do that today. Mm-hmm. And the story that we're writing now, I think is really something that Gord would be proud of and that yeah. his family is proud of, his brothers are proud of, his yeah. sisters are proud of, his kids. You know, Downey Wenjack is really interesting because we have the Downies and the Wenjacks involved in everything we do. Which is cool. And, you know, for a long time, we are operating under the grief cloud. Because, mm. you know, losing him was hard. and. Yeah. How do you find your way? But bringing it all back into one story is so you hear these beautiful Gord stories about his music and the band and how it's changed in the young people that participate in the Legacy Schools program. They talk about Chani that way. Mm. They talk about how Chani's story has inspired them to care about reconciliation. And I'll be like, who knows who Gord Downey is? And they'll be like, Mm-hmm. Who knows who Chani Wenjack is? And all yeah. the hands will go up. And that was what Gord was trying to do. There was a selfless act in that. Yeah. And that relentless pursuit to just use the, the last legs of his platform in this yeah. country to make a difference for the better, to make us better, what, and to make us prouder as Canadians. When I hear that, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's what Gord wanted. He don't know who I am, but know who Chan is. Like that, to, that to him would be more important. One hundred percent. Which is pretty cool. I think what you got, what you guys are doing is incredible. I do, and as as we're gonna reach, we're gonna, you know, we actually have a lot of stuff going on at UCAN. For I say a lot, it's not enough um, because of our indigenous relationships in the community and and whatnot. But we can always do more, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about this. I'm excited that we've started this relationship from 13 years ago (laughs) and um that we're gonna try to get some more stuff going i commend you for everything you're doing and i love the the passion that you have for it so i love this coffee cup (laughs) the coffee cup um yeah can i take it we only have two so no um yeah we've talked about it before it's 17 year old 17 year old kyle dubay uh yeah yeah, it's just silliness what a hunk oh (laughs) hunk a hunk of burning something that's for sure anyways um listen we're gonna we're gonna end this um with the relentless quiz and we do this with our guests because we want to see truly how relentless you are sarah oh no um are you ready Mm mm-hmm fruits or vegetables veggies City or countryside? Country. You're very quick. <laughs> uh, dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Dirty kitchen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Salty or sweet? Salty. Morning or night? Night. Oh, yeah? You're not a morning person? No? Nine was early. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite comedy movie of all time? Ooh, that's a tough one. These weren't meant to be easy. Scientific. Right. I don't know. A comedy movie. Maybe... I feel like we should put the Jeopardy music on right now. I don't know. You don't, you all don't I have can, one. All cool. I can think of is Happy Gilmore because my family, so we live like out west from St. Albert. Yeah. And like I grew up working on a golf course. Okay. And so now there's a detour. The road is shut down. So we have to go like, I don't know, 20 kilometers extra. It's like, it's, it's like an extra 20 minute drive. Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. But uh, 
remember Caddyshack where like the the gophers are the oh yeah yeah and they yeah, like yeah. are torturing yeah. them so because there's no cars on that road it's like the deer have just gone wild oh wow so it's like the deer have re-inhabited their natural lands yes and so it's like it used to be the canadian geese and now it's it's the deer like i don't know what the golf course and is I gonna just, do it's I, like an animal sanctuary now and i just love that that story came out of what's your favorite comedy movie <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my god squirrel <laughs> and i love how you went from happy gilmore to caddyshack <laughs> right <laughs> so, okay we know, we know that you like golf comedy movies. okay okay awesome um big party or small gathering small okay phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom no that's, that's a lie are you um, cleaning it after with the wipe listen <laughs> we can't get too into it because it'll skew the test uh-huh. but you're saying no phone in the bathroom yep all right uh favorite love song of all time Whitney Houston which one that I will, I will always love obviously you? okay, okay. Well, I, she's got a couple bodyguard I think. right right okay cake uh, oh go ahead so I uh, went to the Oilers game last night yeah and we went um, to a pub before and there was something called a pink Whitney yes and I didn't know what that was yeah. and I asked my sister and she was like don't ask it shows your age yeah yeah pink whitney well no you're younger than me i know what pink whitney <laughs> is it's a vodka vodka flavor P- yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah pink lemonade from ryan whitney spitting chiclets anyways we're not here to promote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that they need promotion on their <laughs> podcast uh cake or pie pie all right which is interesting because you're a vegetable up top but pie is mostly fruit yeah yeah. Cake isn't made with vegetables. Mm. You're, you are correct. <laughs> you are correct. Ah, actually, carrot cake. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. That yeah. was pretty quick of me. Yeah. Last question. <laughs> I'll Last give it question. To you. Yeah. Describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. <clears throat> Tenacious. Okay. Heartfelt, mm-hmm. honest, and unorthodox. All right. All right. Those are good. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Sarah, where can we find you and your foundation online, on the socials? Where do we find all you? Downywenjack.ca, D-O-W-N-I-E-W-E-N-J-A-C-K.ca. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're on the Insta, we're on the Facebook, we're on the TikTok. Yeah. we're on the you're on all the socials we're on all the things yeah. but yeah uh visit our website sign up to our newsletter yeah become a donor become a donor yes honestly just ingest the information we spoon feed every day and mm-hmm. you know join us on this journey to build a better canada on the path towards reconciliation i love it thank you so much for being on the podcast and if you want to know more information on UCAN Youth Services, you go to all of our socials are at UCAN Edmonton, or you can go to our website at www.ucan.ca. That's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. Thanks for listening, everybody.